Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our latest Housing Matters podcast. My name is Oscar Wei. I'm a senior anal- economist at the California Association of Realtors, and I have Jordan Levine. With Hello, me today. everyone. Well, Jordan, um, something really happened last week that really shocked everyone out. Um, financial market, for example, dropped significantly. Um, it's so-called the Brexit. Big, big news. Yeah, unfortunately, I think uh, my, my plan was to come in and talk about pending sales today, but I think this is um, you know, big global economic news that, that really demands our attention. Yeah, um, I, this, is, this is a huge thing. Of course, we need to talk about it. The, the Brexit stuff, just to give an idea of what the uh, Brexit really means, it is the United Kingdom of Great Britain voting, voted to leave the uh, European Union. The European Union is a collection of 28 countries and is a huge uh, operating single economic political bloc. Now, w- within the EU, if UK is still working with the EU, of course, there will be a lot of benefit uh, because of uh, trade negotiation, a trade, um, a free trade of uh, free flow of trade, uh, uh, the uh, people and money floating uh, flowing across the 28 countries makes it make it easier to do international trade. But if you know the Brexit actually uh, is going to take place, which looks like it's going to. There will be a lot of trade negotiation uh, that will have to be done in the next couple of years or so. That creates a lot of risk and creates a lot of uncertainties. I think that's one of the reasons why we have so much volatility in the last few days. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the markets are not happy uh, about this Brexit. I think you know when we checked in on Friday. There was uh, the Dow, I think, and other U.S. financial markets were down about three, three and a half percent, depending on which indice you look at. Um, and I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's not necessarily any kind of um, immediate pullback in spending or new orders or something like that. In fact, I don't think we'll have good data, um, you know, on what the actual short run kind of economic implications on the factory sector are, um, but it's really that uncertainty that's that's driving the show. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, there's just a lot that is still up in the air that needs to be resolved. What are we going to do about uh, trade agreements and things? We never needed trade agreements for the EU and Britain to trade before while they were all part of this EU. Same thing with, um, you know, migrants and, and workers who are you know, from certain countries and work in others, you know, how is that all going to shake out in terms of authorizing these workers and, you know, what folks keep their jobs and don't. And so I think it's just, um, you know, a lot of question marks hanging over over what this means in a, in a practical sense. And I think that's going to continue to keep uh, the markets pretty volatile moving forward. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. It's going to continue to keep it uh, pretty volatile as the is the uh, the right way to, to approach this issue. I mean, what is the process for, I know there's a lot of steps with um, Article 50. I think it might be helpful just to kind of elaborate a little bit maybe on on what the, what that process is and maybe, um, you know, is it a done deal that they're fully going to exit the EU and, and that kind of thing? I mean, or, or is there still a lot hanging up in the air? You're absolutely right. You know, um, the reason why we have so much uncertainty is because Everything is still up in the air. Yes, we have this Brexit, but keep in mind this 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 referendum, this, this vote for the referendum, is really just to 
uh, let people know the, to have the voters let the uh, member of parliament and the uh, the uh, prime minister know that they want an out. Now, even whether they really voters really want to be out, that's a separate question. We may, if we have time, we can talk a little bit about that. Right. But once after the um, the vote, the Brexit uh, vote, it's not a this this vote is not legally binding. After that vote, you know the voice is heard. The prime minister and the member of parliament is supposed to trigger the Article Fifty. Mm. This vote allows them to trigger the Article Fifty. Uh, this is the article, this is the document that needs to be triggered in order to start the uh, trade negotiation process. Now there is uncertainty because uh, we heard on Friday or last week that the uh, Prime Minister, David Cameron, is actually quitting. And with him quitting, then there is, of course, a little bit more uncertainty because he's the one who's supposed to trigger the Article 50. What's going to happen with the, the new prime minister comes in, and that's probably not going to, going to happen until sometime in October. Got it. So we have a little bit of a time gap. And even after that's being triggered, then the negotiations started, uh, people started talking about the, uh, the new deals. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of options. Um, there are a lot of uncertainty because any one of the country that are, uh, in the uh, EU could actually... Uh, 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 decline any of the uh, trade nego- new trade negotiations. So oh, wow. It could potentially go on for more than two years. And because of all these uncertainties, that, of course, pe- uh, uh, will lead to people losing confidence in the UK economy as well as the EU economy. And, of course, um, in between that, there could be a lot of other things that could happen. The European Union could say, well, okay, we don't want you want UK to leave, Let's sweeten up, you know, the previous deals that we have made with UK. Try and keep them in the family, right? And try to keep them in the family. And who knows what's going to happen uh, if that if that takes place? I mean, if that takes place, that might actually be a better option for the UK. Uh, but at the same time, again, there is a lot of uncertainty up in the air. I mentioned earlier about the uh, people having regrets, people, voters right. having a little Some bit of buyer's regrets. remorse about the vote they just took. Right, exactly. I think uh, over the weekend, about three million people signed a um, uh, uh, petition for uh, a redo, a redo <laughs> of the referendum. Yes. Now, it looks like they don't. A lot of voters may be just frustrated about uh, what's going on with the uh, the member of parliament, maybe, um, and they just wanted to voice themselves, not knowing that there will be some. Um, negative consequence. Yeah, I mean, I get that sense as well that you saw a lot of this as as somewhat of a protest vote um, without really appreciating kind of the scale or the implications of, of what that might actually mean from an economic or financial standpoint. But I guess the, the main takeaway of what I hear you saying is that this is really just the first step um, in what looks to be a very, very long process that's going to shake out over the course of the next couple of years. Right, exactly. Now, um, Let's say if that actually happens, what do you think will be the direct impact to um, of Brexit to 
the local economy or the UK economy as well as to the US. Yeah, I mean, that's really why we're here, right, is to figure out how this all is going to affect us here in the United States and in California and what the implications are um, for the housing market in particular, but, you know, more broadly, just the economy. Uh, there's a lot of different consequences out there. I think there's been some immediate consequences. Right. We talked about um, the stock market going down about three, three and a half percent um, just in the very first day of trading following the vote. There's also been some political consequences. You mentioned that uh, Prime Minister David Cameron was forced to step down in the wake of this vote. And in fact, the uh, the backup party, uh, the Labour Party, I guess, which is the number two party in the UK at the moment, is also having their own uh, turmoil within that party. So, you know, some immediate political consequences where wow. some pretty high profile folks have really been shown the door, more or less. Uh, but also in terms of foreign currency, and I think that's maybe where we here in the United States have the most potential to be directly impacted over the short run is, you know, we saw the, the British pound depreciate to its lowest level in 35 years. In fact, I think it's the, um, you know, the largest single day depreciation of any foreign currency in, in a very, very long time. And, and that's, you know, both bad from a UK standpoint, right? Their um, cost of goods and services that they might be procuring from other parts of the globe are now much more expensive. Um, but what happens is that the dollar is actually appreciated against both the pound and the euro. So we've lost a competitive edge wow. as a result of this. You know, foreign capital tends to flow to the United States in times of turmoil. We're somewhat of a safe haven still. And so, you know, all these problems in Britain and the EU precipitated by the Brexit vote on Thursday really um, drove a pretty significant increase. And that's going to do things like damage our trade um, just because our goods and services aren't as affordable. We're going to be less attractive uh, relative to what we were for foreign tourists to come in. It's right. going to be a lot more expensive to purchase those plane tickets in U.S. dollars or you know, stay in a, in a hotel in San Francisco or Los Angeles um, when, when that foreign currency is, is a lot weaker than it used to be. And so I think that's the, the kind of short-run negatives that we're going to get off of this, but there's also um, you know, some longer-term things that I think we're going to need to keep an eye on in terms of you know, what's happening on the corporate profit side. Those have already been relatively weak, and so if you're repatriating uh, profits that you're earning abroad back into the U.S., well, that's the same story, right? A stronger dollar erodes those profits somewhat that you're going to earn abroad, um, which could make a, a weak profit environment that much worse and and so i think that's another potential thing to keep an eye on interesting well for one thing of course we know that you mentioned about the uh exchange rates for one thing you know if it's uh the american dollar is stronger that means if you plan on going to europe or uk it's probably a good time right yeah exactly so it's uh for on our end we're we're really going to benefit when we go abroad and you know just anecdotally when i lived in the uk it was over two dollars uh, for every pound and now it's a dollar thirty so talk about savings for traveling abroad i think that will incentivize some u.s travel overseas um but it's just not necessarily clear how well that reverse tourist flow is going to hold up in the face of a stronger dollar True. Now, with all that said, you know, of course, we, we know that there are, are negative impacts, negative direct impacts. But I've heard anecdotally and I've learned from, you know, the, uh, the amount of trade that U.S. deal with U.K. really is not that big of a, uh, an amount. You, I, think, I believe for international trade or exports of American goods to U.K. is around roughly about 4 percent or maybe below 4 percent, which, which amounts to maybe about 0.3, 0.4 percent of GDP. So 
if there is it even if there is a collapse of the UK uh, the the negative impact to US GDP direct impact is supposed to be minuscule of course uh, the impact from UK to EU might be a little bit more significant uh, but there is also the indirect effect that you said about stock market the stock market uh, the first day it dropped three and a half second day it dropped I think today it dropped another one and a half percent so the confidence issue is probably the indirect impact that we're more concerned about right yeah definitely I mean you think about things like uh, capital investments right or non-residential construction um, those are really long time horizon investments that folks are making and so um, you know things like uncertainty can really um, have those kind of short run impacts to where you know you cloud what we think is going to happen over the course of the next five or ten years even um, and that can affect how much i'm willing to invest in the market um, today and i think it's not just uncertainty about how the ultimate negotiations between britain and the eu are going to shake out in terms of you know how that that ultimately ends up looking when they leave the EU officially, um, but also this kind of question mark about what the future of the EU looks like. I think, you know, as much uncertainty as there is about what these negotiations are gonna look like, I think one thing that's very certain is that the EU uh, is gonna emerge from this whole thing changed in some, you know, fundamental way in, in terms of its relationship with its member states and, and, and all of those different dynamics that are at play there. Um, and it's not just, you know, the, the effect of of, of what happens when Britain leaves, but is this going to you know motivate other people? We're talking about um, other countries considering leaving the EU and other populist ah. movements and other foreign countries. I think they they talked about the uh, the Nexit, right, which is mm -hmm. the Netherlands potentially leaving or a Frexit with France leaving. And so um, you know I don't know how credible those claims are. But I think that the fact that we're even talking about, um, you know, additional kind of dominoes falling in terms of folks leaving the EU uh, is something that's going to really inject and maintain a, a pretty high level of uncertainty that's going to affect not just stock market and things like that. But, um, you know, like you said, people's willingness to invest in the economy for right. the long term, uh, which could have, you know, ripple effects here in the United States if they're not buying our, you know, IT products and services and things like that. So, um, you know, that's a potential that we get really got to keep an eye on that's definitely a blow uh, to the economy both at overseas and at the US level but now with with the exchange rate dropping and with pound uh, people a few less confidence about the UK I believe a lot of the money will go into a safe haven like the US Treasury that should have some uh, positive impact or positive effect on interest rates right yeah, definitely. I mean, we've already seen that the long end of the yield curve has come down pretty um, significantly over the course of the last couple of weeks, and this is really only going to help to kind of um, propel that trend further, right? We're going to have low rates pretty, pretty confidently for the foreseeable future, right? Um, I also think that's kind of the unique thing about U.S. real estate, right, is that, um, you know, from a global economics perspective, I think that Brexit is pretty... Um, conclusively negative but um u.s real estate and i think california real estate in particular is 
potentially going to benefit at least from some of this global economic turmoil because you know as you mentioned we're a, still a safe haven um, and even though uh, U.S. real estate just like U.S. goods and services become less affordable as the dollar becomes stronger um, we also have that kind of safe haven element that cuts the opposite way so yes U.S. real estate may be more expensive but if you're very concerned about uh, your own domestic currency U.S. property in California real estate could potentially be a nice hedge against any kind of domestic uh, currency you know, fluctuations. Even if the value of your U.S. property um, didn't grow and stayed flat, if your own currency depreciates by 10, 15 percent, um, you could still stand to make a pretty significant gain, even if the underlying value of that asset hasn't changed just because um, the currency moves around. And so I think that from that perspective, both in terms of keeping long-term rates really low, which is mm -hmm. gonna help to spur on our, our kind of domestic demand, we also have that kind of safe haven element that makes U.S. real estate seem um, relatively more safe and potentially a good hedge against global turmoil. And so we might actually see this kind of Brexit and appreciating the dollar drive more people into U.S. real estate. True, true. That's very true. And you know, you're absolutely right. That drives people from UK or you know from Europe to uh, to U.S. I noticed that uh, from an NAR study before that even though UK is not necessarily the top three countries, I believe, uh, to invest in the U.S. as far as buying a home buyers is con a concern, it's still in the top five. So, of course, there will be people, uh, instead of uh, investing in or buying in U.K., they decide to buy in the U.S. It's just a matter of whether we have enough inventory or supply, you know, to, 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 to satisfy those demand. But also, uh, at the same time, we talked about capital flowing into the treasury bond. But another important piece that determines uh, the short-term interest rate, not so much the long-term interest rate, is the Fed rate hikes. And I think... I've Any heard, guesses? <laughs> well, you know, I can't say anymore that we will have a rate hike. Rate hike. It's really, with, with this uh, Brexit stuff, I think it's safe to say that the store door has been slammed shut. Yeah, at least for this year. I mean, I uh, I unfortunately have to come hat in hand on this one. I pretty um, firmly was in the camp of seeing at least one rate hike at some point later this year. I saw the weak jobs number and assumed that wasn't going to happen this summer. Um, but I did think as the economy gained some momentum... Uh, moving into the second half of the year that we would see a, a rate hike sometime in the fall or in the winter. Uh, but that was, of course, all predicated on on a vote to remain in the EU in right. Britain. And so I think this has really upended this. We know Yellen uh, pretty much said they were looking at this to, as an indication of whether they would raise rates or not. So I, I totally agree with you. In fact, I'm you know somewhat glad that Leslie's not here today because <laughs> she would actually have the bragging rights on this one because she's uh, been in the no rate raise camp for a while and, and you know, I think that I'm, I've gradually made my way over there as well. And I think um, I looked at the 30-year uh, fixed rate a couple of days ago on Friday. It was right around 3.61. Uh, it's safe to say that for the next couple of weeks at least, or maybe for you know, the upcoming months, we may even hit 3.5 or below 3.5. That said, that means uh, if we compare that to back in 2012, which 30-year fixed rate hit around 3.32, we might actually hit a level below that uh, 2.2 uh, 2012 level, uh, which, of course, to 
people want to borrow for a buy to buy a home, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a great time to lock in rates and could potentially spur some more demand, which I think is is good for all of our members and and for real estate moving forward. But let me ask you one other thing because I sure. think it's it's also worth just kind of ending or considering, um, you know, whether this is a done deal or not. And I know you've looked at at are there any opportunities to to kind of stop this you talk about anecdotally where folks were seeming to have some buyer's remorse in the media and things i mean is there is this a done deal or are there things that could happen along the way that would you know either water down a brexit or prevent the the british countries from leaving the eu well yeah definitely i mean there are definitely ways that things could have reversed itself but i think the chance is very very slim for one thing you know as i said earlier the uh, voters made their voice, they wanted to leave EU. Now whether that is really their uh, opinion or not, that's really hard to say because as I said, you know, they had regret. Right. So it's really hard for the UK to say, for the government to say, well, uh, do you want to leave or not? Because the voters may not necessarily know what's going on. So based on their votes that they did last week, the member of parliament will probably go ahead and you know have a debate and most likely will not vote against it one way to get out of the uh, brexit is for the member of parliament to vote against it but the members are more likely members of parliament most likely will not vote against it because they don't want to go against the voice yeah that means basically overturning the will of the people more or less right exactly and that will be if they overturn the will of the the people that is a uh, political suicide gotcha and of course the uh, of course the people the 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 people who regretted uh, voting to leave could sign a petition which they did and suggest a, a redo referendum uh-huh. um, again it goes back to whether that is really their choice right uh, most likely a redo referendum is unlikely um, we will not have that happen um, and another another way to do it, as I mentioned earlier, also is EU realize this is a significant issue. We can they cannot let the UK leave because that would trigger other countries in leaving. So the EU may say, okay, well, let's work on this issues that you have. What are the some of the problems that uh, lead you to lead your people into thinking that you should leave EU? And one of the big issues that the UK was not very, or the voters in UK were, uh, were not very happy about was the immigration issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think the EU will make any concession on the immigration issues because they has already backed down quite a bit. So chances are it will probably carry forward, but the question is how long it's going to take. Supposedly once the Article 50 get triggered, two years, uh, within two years they have to hash out the uh, new negotiations but it could potentially take much much longer so i guess the moral of the story is uh, buckle up it's gonna be a bumpy ride it's going to be quite a bumpy ride of course it may not even if the uk decide to leave eu there could be some other treaties some other uh, models that they could follow gotcha. uh, the norway model or the um the um um yeah, there's a couple of the Scandinavian model, company yeah. countries that don't aren't full members of the EU. Right, the gotcha. Switzerland model. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So those models may not necessarily be bad models to follow. If the, the I think the uh, the what we need to have is a little bit more uh, solid evidence of what path 
EU or the UK wants to take and what EU are willing to work with UK on. Once we have a little bit more certainties, I think the market, uh, the financial market as well as the economy will probably settle a little bit. Interesting, very interesting stuff. Well, I think it's something that we definitely want to keep an eye on and I think as, as developments happen, we'll probably um, have Brexit as a recurring theme in some of our upcoming podcasts. Definitely, I think it will be something that we will continue to talk about. Uh, as of now, I believe for the U.S. is probably going to be, uh, there might be some minor uh, impact, again the indirect impact, you and I probably won't know until further down the road. Yeah, I mean we're going to need to see some hard data, but I think at least theoretically there's a, a justification that this is going to have some potential negative impacts, although um, you know, from a housing standpoint it's not really clear which way this is going to fall. Right, I, th- I mean we know that interest rate is going to go down most likely, so that's one silver lining. Um, but we will definitely keep everyone posted. Uh, on interest rate movement as well as the economic growth rate of the U.S. and the global economy.